0: Welcome to On The Up & Up. I'm your host, Kira Laforgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR-inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. Hello, on the up and up people. I am so pumped for today's episode. It is an interview with my client slash now friend Abigail Pumphrey from The Boss Project. She's going to introduce herself in the episode and we're going to have a really frank discussion about all things leadership and management and developing a team and weaving culture into your policies and you get to hear Abby's thoughts and opinions on all of those things as she has spent the last couple years um, since I slid into her DMs and she hired Paradigm to build out the HR strategy and growth plan for Boss Project, which was one of my favorite projects. Um, Since then, we've worked together on literally every single service that we provide, um, including our... Paradigm Management Foundations, which has now been repackaged into People on Purpose, um, launching June 2023. So depending on if you are listening to this now, or we're in the middle of the launch, or whatever the case may be, I reference a quiz that you absolutely have to take. It's to find your people leader archetype, and it gives us so much insight into how to get a head start on some of the things that Abby and I talk about in this episode today. Um, So we'd love for you to give them a follow, um, hit up our show notes, and find that strategy hour episode um, where we talk all about the team building practice and the motivations behind scaling your business um, that is so unique to hear this kind of time warp into where Abby is now um, and where we started when you know, we've originally started working together. um, So you have to listen to it, link it in the show notes. Um, But I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. And if you enjoy it, make sure you don't forget to leave us a review. Um, Five stars, obviously. And I'm also gonna link the quiz. So leave me a five star review with your quiz results. I wanna know what leadership archetype you are. Uh, Can't wait to hear what you get okay so we're gonna dive in i am so excited to have you here abigail slash abby slash i wrote your name in size one million font a b b i e on my whiteboard and now to this day after deleting it or erasing it two years later it's still there haunting me in my dreams because the white i want i got crap from abigail for writing abby incorrectly spelled and now i will never forget it because i wrote it on my wall and now it will never go away so so I always call you Abby, but just in case the listeners are like, Abigail, Abby, Abigail, Abby, um, it's because we've known each other for so long. So I feel like it's yeah. kind of cool that we have this like familiarity and you are literally just on my wall forever. But why don't you introduce yeah. yourself to everyone who for some reason wouldn't know who you are? And I'm so excited <laughs> to dive into all this today. <laughs> Not for sure.
1: Well, I don't don't feel like you need to know who I am before this call, but uh, thank you so much for the introduction. Um, I am Abigail Pumphrey. I'm the co founder of Boss Project. Our mission in life and business is to help see more women become financially free by building stable, sustainable businesses online. Um, my partner and I started the business eight years ago now, and we have had teams of all different sizes along the way and have had a really great experience working with Kira on definitely scaling, people scaling, people management, Um, and it's been fun. So the, the businesses looked like a lot of different things over the last eight years, but right now we are... A hybrid business of both agency work coaching and consulting through a group program um, as well as have a digital arm that we sell templates and ultimately a membership with so we have our feet in a lot of different fires at the moment yeah I love it
0: and I know through our work together there's been so many ups and downs and also just in online business in general and you know we generally work with a lot of online business owners, female founders, so we share that motivation. But I want to kind of throw you off your game a little bit and talk about your pre-online business experience and what made you like your your origin story, if you will, <laughs> um, how you got mm-hmm. to the place where you were, you know, you were way ahead of the curve. So but there has to be some previous work experience prior to that that helped shape who you are as a leader and a founder. So let's talk a little bit about your origin story.
1: Yeah, for sure. So my original degree is in fine art graphic design. I went to school to study um, art because I was rebelling against what my parents said I should be doing <laughs> with my life, um, so they definitely my both my parents are engineers. They wanted me to become an engineer, doctor, lawyer, architect, something, quote unquote, professional. Um, I took a job in science in high school. I was actually a um, lab technician at our local. Hospital and worked alongside other researchers in a dietetics uh, department, and I quickly learned that research of that nature just wasn't for me, and I I didn't want to go to medical school, and so I pursued art full force. um, And following that, decided to kind of jump around. I was, you know, like many young people who start on their career path. You start out making pretty crap money for the first job that you can secure, (laughs) and then you have to use that job to leverage it for your next opportunity. So I jumped around pretty predictably within a year and a half to three years, um, quite a few times. I started out in a ad agency capacity, um, ended up in higher education. I was in marketing for admissions to the university I actually went to school for. Um, Then I spent a good portion of my career at a um, financial wholesale firm. And so I got a lot of exposure to Uh, financial literacy as well as all the ways I wouldn't do that work (laughs) Um, (laughs) I saw a lot of things that I didn't want to see and tried to get a promotion in that arena and I didn't want to play the game that they were playing um, which was definitely sleep with the boss to get to the top And so I left that for a startup engineering firm and was in a very small marketing department, um, kind of paving the way. We were marketing directly to government, which made it a bit of a challenge, um, from a marketing perspective, but that was my first kind of introduction to, I I would say the financial firm, I was introduced to like landing pages and print materials and branding and web design and all of that. Um, but specifically at this engineering startup started getting exposure to more funnels and marketing strategies and the founder was definitely in ingrained in the entrepreneurial environment. And so you were hearing a lot of the names that I ultimately ended up being in the same industry as, um, in that job. I was only there three months and the founder was a bit, um, I don't know what I would say. Um,
0: you can say it. You can say anything you want.
1: (laughs) Reactionary. Um, You know, he was... He made the mistake that a lot of people make in thinking that new teams or new staff are going to get you instant results. And um, he was not happy with the amount of money his marketing team had generated when literally all of us had only been there three months. And so he, including my boss and everyone in my department. So none of us, we had to learn everything about the technology, everything about who they were marketing to, and attempt to build things. Like, I don't know why you think it's going to happen in three months. Anyway, he... Um, <laughs> laid off the entire marketing department in a single day. Um, and I found out after the fact that was the fourth time he had done so. Um, so <laughs> I was a little burnt out at that point and was kind of at a a crux in my career. I could I could go back to the environment that I knew I could, climb the ladder, but struggle with how to ethically do so. I could, you know, go back to agency life, but my life was going to be pretty stressful if that's the path I went. Um, I could attempt to find another in-house position or I could use this as my opportunity to leverage and start my own thing. And within 30 days, I booked myself out and replaced my corporate salary and haven't looked back in the last eight years. So
0: that's amazing. And you did that through design.
1: Yeah, initially. Uh, that's how the business started. I launched a boutique marketing and branding firm. We were doing website design and branding primarily for local Kansas City small businesses, um, and it's definitely evolved quite a lot since Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. And I love, I think, well, I obviously want to talk about the HR nightmare that you brought up, which is sleeping your way to the top and get into some of those details. But I love when we can see these stories kind of develop from people that we work with or just like, you know, our next door neighbor or whatever, especially when you're career driven and have ended up in entrepreneurship, because there's probably like so many little things along the way that were pointing you in that direction. At least it sounds like you were Mm -hmm. pulling from your experiences for something better. But I know Mm -hmm. how important it is for you guys to support female founded businesses and Mm -hmm. how much of a crux that is in your values and your systems. And so to hear that you went and worked for this company where that was so obviously the way to go is to be exploited for, you know, being a woman or your sexuality or whatever. I'm like so into this. So do you have any like juicy stories you can tell about that um, yeah.
1: <laughs> or how so, you figured that yeah. out, I guess? Um. Well, I I tend to be in life and in business, the kind of person that I'm I meet you and five minutes later, you're like, like puking out like your deepest inner thoughts and desires and frustrations and like people just tell me everything immediately with no boundaries um it's happened my entire life it is both a gift and a curse um but that was definitely my experience in this department of a much larger company the marketing department was small uh, um small-ish I mean definitely bigger for kind of the overall view there was about 20 or so people maybe maybe 15 when I started but it definitely scaled up to 20 plus for just the department the whole business as a whole was about 200 and then they had agents who were technically independent contractors of the thing so thousands of people potentially um but marketing was definitely the smallest component and I really liked my boss she was really great um and enjoyed learning under her she also had a background in design and so I appreciated that and between her and some other people who had joined at a similar time like I developed some friendships and some allies so to speak but would definitely hear rumors about certain relationships that were going on in secret or things that were happening at conferences or in hotel rooms or, um, after hours, there was definitely a lot of drinking also involved in this work environment. Um, and I was also super young. I was by far the youngest person probably in the whole company at that <laughs> time. And I, um, I, <sighs> That was awful. Being the youngest person in the room is hard. Um, People look down at you like, oh, you're so cute and like childlike (laughs) and whatever. And I definitely had bigger aspirations and had my shit way more together than half the marketing staff at the time. Um, So, I don't know. Was there a way to get up with Merit? Yes. But... That wasn't the fast track, especially if I was going to be as young as I was. And did anything happen? No. Was I harassed? Did did anything go down? No. It was all definitely rumor-based, but um, when I got passed over for a promotion and they gave it to someone 20 years my senior when the last person was, like, a few years older than me, I was like, no, I don't think I want to stay. So... I wasn't yeah. necessarily looking when I went for my next position, but the politics of it all was a lot. And when you're in an organization where the primary, like, makeup, like the biggest department, was the sales team, which was almost exclusively men and very aggressive ones at that, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It was just a tough environment. But I learned a shit ton in a very short period of time, and saw what was working and what was not and had the opportunity it was kind of weird because while we were in-house staff we were operating as essentially the in-house marketing department for all of our agents and so we were like branding materials for hundreds of small businesses and so I got a taste of what it would look like to work more exclusively with smaller businesses. But I also found that I didn't enjoy working with middle-aged white men. So
0: that'll do it. In a different direction. (laughs) (laughs) One thing you brought up that I just can't resist saying is that even – I think a lot of women in the workplace just – don't understand that they do have a right to not feel the way that you did at that job and being surrounded by that culture is harassment. And I think that there's been, Mm -hmm. I mean, especially since the me too movement, but also it's always been the case that like it's our jobs as leaders and as coworkers, even if they're on the same level as you to protect our environment. And I think it sucks because There was probably so many lessons that you could have learned. And also, like you mentioned, you got passed over for a promotion, which I mean, that happens every day. Like, that's not this horrible thing that most people would be like, screw that. I'm leaving the company. But coupled with this environment, it's like, well, that's proof to me that my values are not in alignment. And it really is a loss for the business. And that... I feel like the the biggest and coolest thing about working with women owned businesses or businesses in general, because we work with small businesses that are owned by men, too. But those men are are dedicated to equity and making sure that everyone feels comfortable. And that's often like the number one job of the leader. How much of that experience do you think maybe subconsciously carried over into the way that you and Emily have built your culture?
1: Oh, it's been huge. Um in a lot of different aspects, I would say in terms, I kind of blocked out a lot of that job. I, I While I learned a lot about specifically marketing and what goes into effective marketing, the nuances of that environment, I kind of set aside. And, you know, some of the early things were I, for instance, going back all the way to when I worked agency. I really disliked the environment where clocking your hours had to go to paid client work. It was very stressful and, you know, we worked in an environment where the expectation was 90 to 95% of your time needed to be billable, which is super unreasonable. And at the time, I didn't know how unreasonable that was. And I've since learned so much about like, what makes an equitable capacity for someone who's client-facing and how do you plan economically for that and all of those things. So that for sure carried over. Um, I think initially it was how do we, like, not conform to traditional corporate environments. And then I think we reached a certain point in our business where we had to unlearn that... The the structure is not necessarily the toxic part. It's all the other things that go into management or mismanagement that, that can make it an uncomfortable, not viable working environment. And so I was initially resistant to building hierarchy and clear management and even bringing on employees because I wanted to just have more freedom. Um, But I've now learned how to kind of navigate that the structure isn't necessarily the problem. There are equitable ways to address the needs of your team and even those that you're looking to potentially hire. Um, So I've learned a lot and did it influence it? Yes. I think mostly subconsciously.
0: Yeah. What other I mean, I've had the opportunity to talk to Jared, who is obviously your partner, and he has experiences in the workplace that were less than favorable. And I'm not here to tell his story. But how much of that, I guess, collaboration and the fact that you've built a business with a partner has driven how you want your culture to look? Because many of our listeners don't have a business partner. And I've asked you several times in the past, What do you think about starting a business with a partner? And you generally say, don't do it. But I'm happy with mine, you know, is kind of the vibe. Um, So it's different when you're approaching things in this collaborative way and your husband's work for you and work within your business, which we've designed really thoughtfully. Um, There's so much collaboration in building a company culture that isn't necessarily the case for our entrepreneurs that listen. So how is that Mm -hmm. kind of played into those decisions? Like, what does it look like on the back end when you're filling out a questionnaire about your HR policies or you know, how how much of that is really collaborative versus has there been any moments where you've disagreed and had to go in one direction or has it been seamless or what does it look like to build a culture so intentionally with other people involved?
1: Oh, there's a lot there, (laughs) Um, but kind of starting specifically with Jared's experience. So, Jared is my spouse. He's also the marketing manager at Boss Project. Um, He officially joined as an employee approximately 18 months ago and was probably a contractor for six to eight months prior to that. So he's, you know, he's definitely approaching or just past the two year mark as being in the business in some capacity. Um, but he was a trained architect and his working environment definitely echoed a lot of the experiences I had in the larger financial firm that I was in, um, but the the problem, interestingly enough, was more with his boss and direct management, not necessarily the business as a whole. So in contrast, I think ethically and like what the business was pursuing and the type of work was feeling good, at, which was the opposite and where I was at. And um, the issue was with leadership and management. Not necessarily, um, not necessarily the overall environment, um, and that was definitely a case of like letting seniority mean that you know a problem shouldn't be addressed if you've been around long enough, and that, that's just simply not true. You know, issues can pop up at any time with any individual, and it's definitely worth investigating fully um and disciplining fully and potentially firing if that's appropriate um anyway he he was he was targeted on multiple occasions to um <laughs> buy drugs illegally buy drugs off of me because i bought off of him because i was on prescription medication that his boss wanted access to like whole slew of things that were (laughs) highly highly inappropriate um i would say most of his experiences were so extreme and almost laughable that i was like this can't possibly ever come up but for sure we when we were looking at policies we were like you know, let's have clearer boundaries around drug use and, um, what is and isn't acceptable and that kind of thing. Um, but I think in terms of collaboratively, um, Emily and I have really tried to weigh in on what are each of our strengths and what do, how do we, each of us show up and, While Emily actively manages and and has team members under her, a lot of the HR responsibilities she let me take the lead on, Um, for sure having input all along the way, but I was kind of driving the vision specifically there. And she was focused more primarily on how do we develop team culture, and I was focused more on hiring the right people for the right roles and managing and putting them in the right places and all of those things um defining the policies etc um and that's worked quite well for us to kind of divide who has what aspect of the business i think now that we're not necessarily in a hiring season those those kind of responsibilities have shifted a little bit. I think we're both sharing culture a lot more since it's, I'm not in an active hiring process. Um, But I, I think whether we never like put the policy decisions in front of Our team, because we were actively, like, we hired so fast and so many that we wanted to, like, make the call on things, but anytime a situation happens, we are actively... Assessing, do we need to adjust our policies? Do we need to have more clear expectations upfront and onboarding? Um, where do we need to make changes? And, like, even right now, I have a running list of things that I don't necessarily think impact the current team today, but are things that I want to address in our next annual review and just policies for so that for future hires we're proactive on those things. Um, but, you know, we're six months out from an annual review, and I already have a list going. So um, I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah. I mean, I think
0: that when it comes down to the CEOs or entrepreneurs that don't have a partner, it can feel super overwhelming to think about building a culture uh, in general because it's so abstract. Like, what does that even mean? So, I mean, what are some of the things that you've incorporated in your business that have driven the culture forward that you've intentionally built through policy?
1: So I think there is a differentiation a bit from policy and specifically culture not that they don't intertwine or overlap but the way in which they're handled feels different to me um i feel like policy tends to be the rules and how we handle very specific situations and you know as specific as you know if you're terminated could you be rehired um AI is a recent topic that has come up. How how are you going to handle that now and in the future? Is it okay? Is it not okay? Like, taking a stand, perhaps, um, and giving clear expectations around a specific topic. Whereas I feel like culture is more of the behavior um, that people take and judge against our values and make educated decisions based on we say we value these things and this is the expectations for how to show up in that way and i can't predict all of the millions of things that are going to come up and you know the policy handbook like showcases very explicit examples but if it doesn't fall within the policies you have the culture to back up well based on our values this is how i should react or or respond in this specific situation. Um, And so I think part of it is being proactive because ultimately I am of the camp that you have a culture, whether you define it or not. Um, And being intentional about what you're building and where you're going is so essential. Um, And so we spend a lot of time... You know, re-looking at our mission and vision, which had always existed and always been there. I think even if you were to go back eight years, the mission and vision has been primarily the same. I think we've maybe copy-edited how we say the thing a few times, but but that has really stuck. And I think that's important for a mission or vision, that it is a long-term aspirational thing that you're moving towards versus um, values which I think you may add to over time or um, can be a culmination of things. If it's just you and you're just starting out, your values tend to be, they mimic the things that you value in your everyday life. Um, But I think they can also be an opportunity for you to point out areas that you want to see growth in for yourself even ahead of hiring. Um, Like, for instance, we have a um, lighthearted as one of our values. And I tend to be the kind of person who wants to, like, handle conflict immediately, move through things, like, make decisions. And in the working world was in an environment many, 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 many times where everything was on fire all the time and everything had this, like, urgent feeling about it, which just added to so much stress. And so we wanted to create an environment where people felt a bit more at ease, had less stress in their working life. And we set the precedent, even for our clients, that we're not in an industry that's urgent. Like we're not saving lives here. We're not surgeons. We're not EMTs. Um, So here's the expectations on how we're going to respond. And while we typically are much faster than we say we will be, um, we're kind of giving space for it to be a little more slow paced. Um, But for me, that has been an opportunity to push me to take a deep breath and even walk away from things and not trying to react so in the moment about them. But instead you know, take time to, to, to step back and analyze and approach things with, uh, you know, a bit more of a fresh take. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think early on, it's really easy to manage a reactionary only about everything clients and team. Um, and being proactive and slowing down has added so much more chill to my life. So mm-hmm. <laughs> And I know that <laughs> your one
0: of your values is also the life-first business, which we hear basically constantly in the online space. Everybody's always talking about this. When I first started my business, it was like, there's a point to this, I promise. But when I first started my business, I was like, oh, I'm just going to have this Google Doc questionnaire and everybody's going to want the same stuff and it's going to be like super easy to like build all these things out. Not the case at all. Within two clients, I was like, what the hell? Like, what did I sign up for? Everyone has different like there's so much nuance and how you can build out your intention and your culture and your policies based on what you want it to feel like at your company and it just became which is i think why you know we've been around because there's more to it than what you would think but i know that when we talk to businesses and they talk about having a life first model there aren't always clear depictions of what that definition is there's been multiple mm-hmm. businesses that say that they want to help build life first businesses but they all look different. So it's really interesting to see that like kind of from the inside out. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to Boss Project to be life first?
1: Yeah, so I, I do think it's important that everyone make a decision on what it means to them, especially if it's something they're ultimately pursuing. Um, but for us, you know, we're ultimately helping our clients and also working to build internally a business and a culture that allows us to prioritize life regardless of what comes up um, and specifically make sure we're building um, the business that provides the stability and also ultimate support that if we were to need to step away to focus on something in life that we have the ability to do so we've watched so many businesses close because of you know having a baby or their own unique health crisis or needing to caregive or lack of child care or like insert a million and one reasons that life hits you in the face and we want to help women build their businesses so sustainably that if they do need to walk away that it can continue to operate and can continue to support them financially. And it definitely takes time. Like this is not an overnight thing. I think for many of our clients, it, it's a two to three year plus trajectory to like be a solo business owner and build to the point that you can have enough support to make that plausible or feasible. But there's definitely immediate things that can be done to address systems and efficiencies and communication to kind of mitigate some of those things for a shorter term, should you need to like reschedule at a moment's notice, that kind of thing. Um, But for us, you know, the reason it came up is we've had some pretty big challenges that required us to completely rebuild our business from the ground up. Um, Six years ago, Emily, was set to adopt a child, and two and a half, three months before um, Penelope came into the world, I was in a five-car collision and suffered a traumatic brain injury, and overnight, everything about our business had to change, Um, and it wasn't set up for success. Uh, While we were both in completely different focuses of our life and so we'd love to help more women be proactive on that so that they can be prepared because you just don't know when it's going to happen
0: yeah i know that continuity planning is so key especially like from the minute that you hire for the first time you have to have that in place and it's so overwhelming because you got a million other things that you got to do but you just kind of hack away at it and prioritize the well-being of the humans and then things usually fall into place So I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, We are in the guts of releasing formerly PMF into a new version of our management course for founders or managers of small teams, particularly remote teams in a new way, which I know you were one of our students, but... um, And it's so funny as we're talking, I'm like, I can't wait for we have this new quiz and it's your people leader archetype. And I'm like, I can't wait to see what Abigail's result is, because I think I know what it's going to be. But one of the things that keeps coming up as we're finalizing the curriculum and streamlining things and all of that good stuff is is talking to our students about what they've learned about themselves as they've stepped into leadership roles. And we're talking leadership roles of people, like actually having Mm -hmm. team members that you're responsible for. Um, What do you think are some of the maybe hard-won lessons that you've learned about yourself when you have put yourself in the you know, infinity mirror of leadership <laughs> along the last couple of years.
1: Oh, for sure. There's like a million things I could say here. Um, <sighs> managing people has probably been the single biggest learning opportunity for me. Um, so the last 18 months to two years have been very intense um in a good way like I am not the same person and I feel like I'm so much more supportive of others but um in terms of what kind of hit me in the face pretty immediately I as a child was a naturally extremely trusting person to the point of like The moment I met you, we were BFFs. I would hold nothing back. I would tell you everything. My transparency meter was off the chart. Um, And I got hurt and burned. And, like, some major shit hit the fan. Um, And so my ability to trust people inherently went down very, very significantly. Um, And I definitely think most of that is related to personal drama. But... Regardless, in terms of how I manage, what would end up happening is I wanted to trust people and I inherently didn't. And so my, that would show up as me micromanaging and following up incessantly and asking where things are and not trusting in people's ability to get things done or accomplish things and um, Part of it is I really had to learn how to be a better delegator so that I could, like, adequately prepare someone to meet my expectations. But that's a story for another day. Um, I also think I needed to learn how to explain my goals and, like, aspirations and strategy for a project because I tend to have a very clear vision and expectation about what I want or what done looks like. And initially I would kind of share that high level. And Emily has this unique ability to essentially telepathically read my mind. I'm sure Kara has witnessed this on multiple occasions, (laughs) Um, but it became pretty evident pretty quickly that for new people to our team, they can't read my mind. Surprise. Um, And so I had to learn what it looked like to fully explain, fully train, fully onboard, and set people up for success so that I could be proud of them, so I could appreciate their work. And, you know, we had a hire pretty early on. And just watching her transform over the last two years, like, by no means am I responsible fully for this transformation at all, but I have seen, as I evolved, her ability to also rise to the occasion in a new way that if I had continued with those tendencies, like, she would have never had the ability to grow in this capacity on our team. And so... um, I think it's easy and naive to think your personal growth won't affect anyone else, but it absolutely adds space for your company to grow and expand in ways that you didn't even think were possible. Um, And so I am just so proud of how our team has evolved and how they've been able to step up. And that wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't learned how to get my shit together
0: which (laughs) took some time well it's a it's a lifelong process and you know not to like totally turn it around but the progress and the successes of our team at work is a reflection of us whether they are good or bad so I think we talk about that a lot in my industry and you know management and leadership and things like that how We do have to take radical accountability for their successes and the failures of our team members. Mm -hmm. And it is our fault. And that can be something really hard, especially when you're first kind of figuring it out because you're going to fail more than you succeed. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of us can agree that having a team and developing a team and that human connection is one of the best parts of having a business. So it's always worth it. To And the the strides that we make as individuals through that process, they're never ending. You're never just done. Um, but they're, it's such a unique mirror to look in, and it can be a little uncomfortable at times. Um, but all that is to say, one thing that comes up a lot is boundaries. And I know that you and Emily have multiple ventures that you're interested in, and you're running an amazing business. So what have you learned about boundaries over the last couple of years in regards to either personal management team functionality of like your workspace, your home life, you know, not everybody can say that they have a partner and Mm -hmm. a husband in their business and they're not the same person. Um, So you have a unique perspective Mm -hmm. there and love to hear your knowledge on that.
1: Yeah. So I think boundaries was not necessarily something I was inherently good at. Um, I'm naturally a people pleaser. And if you were to look at my Enneagram type, I am a peacemaker, which um essentially means I attempt to bend over backwards a lot. And I really knew that if we were going to continue to see growth, that I had to respect myself on a deeper level. Um... And so that meant getting more clear on what we would do and, and how we would show up and what that would look like. And I, the thing I didn't realize when this all started was that boundaries are not for other people to respect. You can share your boundaries for sure, um, but they're for you. They're for your control. And ultimately, you can't control other people, um, but you can control how you respond and when and how you react and so you know I would respond to messages after hours I would work late into the night I would like dive all into projects that you know I should have delegated like I could keep going you know and and that took a lot of time to unravel um Because it's very naive to think initially that if you continue to do everything, that it will always be the best work that it could be. And bringing people on your team that are smarter than you in different areas, holy shit, like, just wild things occur. Um, And, you know, you have to be reminded constantly to give them opportunities to show up for you. Um, And that can be challenging. Um, but in terms of how do I address specifically the, the home boundary, because I do think even if you don't plan to have a business partner, I do see a lot of women founders who desire to have their spouse either home full time or home full time and working with them. Um, and I used to say I wanted to retire my husband, and he hated that (laughs) Uh, so definitely recommend that you have a conversation with your spouse about how they want to look at that plan um don't assume that you are in control of their career you absolutely should take into account what they want um so therapy uh for yourself and potentially your partner is is really helpful um but you know, I-, I did know for a long time that I wanted Jared to be home, and the motivation for me was primarily so we'd have the same schedule, so that we could go to lunch on a whim, or get off early and go to a movie, or take vacation and, like, not have to worry about requesting off and all of these things, and it was really more alignment of time, and um, and working in the architecture world, as he would progress in his career, the more likely he was to work late and travel. And if if that's the road he wanted to go down, I definitely would have been supportive of that plan. But he didn't like the work environment he was in. And he really desired to focus on caregiving which that is like a whole nother conversation but he did ultimately leave to be a full-time caregiver to our grandmother and that was his primary objective for a long time before he joined the business um and kind of initially in a part-time capacity um but how do you define boundaries you know do jared and i talk about work things outside of working hours absolutely it's it's natural you share a work environment and you tend to want to debrief about your day um but i will say that we primarily leave those conversations for at the dinner table it's more of how was the other person's day not like debating policies or how did project manage something or tasks or whatever it's more how did it go for you in the same way that you would check in with a spouse after they were working somewhere else. Um, But then after that, we're both, like, we don't talk about it. I mean, unless there's something, like, really dramatic going on, which, you know, does occasionally happen, um, we're pretty much either at work or at home, and there's not really an in-between. But there, there will be occasions where... I walk into his office and I say, I need you to be my spouse right now. And I think as long as you disclose how you need the other person to show up, I think you can have productive conversations and communication. Um, But it's, it's not really been an issue. Like working with him has felt really natural. And I do think a big part of that is that I'm not his manager, Um, And that was a really active decision that Emily and I made in the business. So I I don't directly manage or oversee his tasks and vice versa. She does not directly manage or oversee her spouse's tasks.
0: Yeah, that's a smart move. Um, And so, I mean, I know that we're getting to the point where we're wrapping up. And I think that if you had – I have some would-you-rathers for you, but before that, I feel like – Sure, What's, like, the – if you had to give, like, a one, like, walk away with this advice to somebody that is starting to develop their management skills for the first time and jumping into this, what would be your, like, this – I only have 10 seconds, like, here's what I have for you. What would be that that piece of information oh, that you'd want to share?
1: Um. So – If I had to only do one and I had to be as quick as possible, I would say that if you ever get to the point that you are frustrated with how someone is showing up or producing work or finishing a task and like you don't like the outcome. I need you to look in the mirror first. I need you to look in the mirror first. I need you to check. Did you delegate appropriately? Did you give them all the information to be successful? Did you provide what done looks like? Did you tell them not just the what you need done, but how you want it done or why it needs done and what the impact is on the business? Like you have to look in the mirror. And I had to learn that the hard way a couple of times, but the better I've gotten at that, I am so much happier at work because I'm not constantly trying to like spread the blame and I'm way more reflective and as to how I can be a better boss and a better manager.
0: That's really good advice. I love it. Um, okay. So couple would you rathers just because I know these conversations get really heavy and we like to end it on a fun note. Um, but sure. let me see. I, th- I had some written down, but now I kind of want to like mix it up and give you some funny ones
1: Ooh, okay. <laughs> all right you do it you do it
0: okay well first do you have a celebrity crush oh like there's nobody that just I mean, bump- jumps into your head right away
1: i mean if
0: i'm being completely honest taylor's <laughs> <laughs> oh okay well that makes this really interesting so <laughs> would, <laughs> would you rather have another 10
1: years with your partner or a one night stand with your celebrity crush <laughs> um well that is quite the interesting uh (laughs) conversation but they say you shouldn't meet your (laughs) idols um because you'll likely be disappointed so i would probably (laughs) stay with my spouse
0: (laughs) nice save nice save um And would you rather, I love this question because we've talked about weather so much in our friendship, but would you rather labor under the hottest sun or
1: extreme cold outside? Oh, Oh. sun, sun for sure. Really? Desert vibes, 100%. (laughs) Uh, I can't be cold. I really can't. Like, I, I hate being hot, but like being cold I'm literally a non-functioning human being, so.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm I'm the opposite.
1: I have a, I have severe seasonal depression and without sunshine, I am not a full human, so.
0: Well, maybe this next one will be easy then. Would you rather live in New York or LA for the rest of your life and you can't leave?
1: Oh, LA, hands down. (laughs)
0: Um, And would you rather vomit on your personal hero Or have your personal hero Vomit on you
1: (laughs) Full disclosure I have vomited on my spouse um, Directly (laughs) Um, And I would do it again And I would probably also vomit on someone else So yes I, I would be the vomitor You can come back from this
0: Yeah I have to agree with that I would never want to have puke on myself no, uh, oh, oh, no no <laughs> okay would you rather wear the same socks for a month never taking them off or the same underwear for a week never taking them off so that means you'd have to like shower in them and stuff
1: <laughs> if you shower i'd have to go with socks i'd have to go with socks
0: I wonder what our feet would look like if we wore socks for a month. I never wear shoes or socks. Like, we're just – I'm always in sandals. Oh, and, like, I don't either. Feet, I'm always so. barefoot.
1: My, sh- my foot size, I have li- – my foot has grown during the pandemic because my bones have splayed. <laughs> so my foot is more square. Because I don't wear shoes like they're not like narrow at the toes because I'm not in a toe box all the time. Anyway, sorry, sorry for another day.
0: Interesting. That's actually really good to know. Huh. Um, would you rather always have I'm going I'm doing more now because this is funny. Would you rather always have B.O. and not know it or always smell B.O. on everyone else?
1: Oh, I definitely would rather have it and not <laughs> it. <laughs> I can't stand the smell of BO. Oh, I can't. Although I definitely, full disclosure, uh, you know how onions smell so distinctly like BO? I do like onions. So there are occasions, like, if I don't know it's BO and I'm convinced that it's food, that I'm like, mmm, that smells good. And then <sighs> light, I'm like, wait. Anyway,
0: that's a human stench. Um, okay, last <laughs> one. <laughs> Would you rather? This one I feel like is really hard. Would you rather have the ability to see 10 minutes into the future or 150 years into the future?
1: Mm. Well, I feel like 150 years into the future would make me rich because I could, like, prepare for the thing. But (laughs) 10 minutes would make me... um, The ability to deceive or be manipulative would be much higher. Um, And so, like, in good faith, I don't know why, but I feel like ethically it's more responsible to pick 150 years in the future and use that to become rich versus manipulate those actively around me. It's interesting that that's no, where your it. mind goes, because my
0: thought about the 10 minutes into the future was like, oh, well, we can like prevent bad things from happening or, you know, whatever. But oh. I don't know if it's like enough time to do that, actually.
1: No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Like, You don't <laughs> have enough reaction time. Um, and it, it, knew, it felt really for me, my immediate thought that it, the 10 minutes felt limited to like the the close proximity people, not necessarily like the world.
0: Yeah. I, I just like I'm not the type of person that likes to watch like next week on succession or like I don't like watching movie trailers unless it's like months and months like they're in the movie theater because I just can't stand oh, to yeah. know like what's gonna happen. It, like I hate it. I oh, hate not
1: so I, I hate watching movie trailers. I will. I will only watch them. So the rule is I can only watch it until I know I want to see the film but I don't want spoilers. So I will turn it off even if it's 10 seconds into it.
0: Ah, see okay, we have that in common. See, that's why this question is hard for me because I'm like, well, I might as well do 150 years into the future because then I can be surprised because it's not like all the little things are going to be in that documentation, but then right. You, you wouldn't know
1: the you wouldn't know the little things. You would just know the big things, which I I like the big picture you better yeah yeah
0: I don't know it's hard it's hard to pick because I can see but then it's like well do I really then it's like everything's hopeless because in 150 years we're like idiocracy have you ever seen that (laughs) (laughs) you've got to watch it if you haven't seen it it's amazing Um, okay well now we do our just real quick we call it our desperation minute where everybody can find you and how to access you and talk to you and buy from you and all that good stuff
1: sure well you can head to bossproject.com and See all sorts of free resources, our blog, um, different ways to interact with us. For sure, if you'd like to send me a message, you're welcome to DM Boss Project on Instagram. Um, And if you love listening to podcasts like this one, I definitely encourage you to go find the Strategy Hour podcast, listen, subscribe, and leave a review. I would love to have you if you're a female founder and specifically a service provider. I definitely think you will enjoy the content we're putting out over there and get a lot of free value from that.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm going to link our episode on Strategy Hour because I feel like that's a perfect companion to this. It'll be... I want to listen to it again because it was... I feel like it'll be like a walk in the past like to listen to that after oh, this know. episode. That'd be so fun. Like I feel
1: like a lot is the same and so much has changed. Yeah,
0: know? yeah, for sure. It's kind of weird how that works out. But anyway, thank you so much for being here, Abby. I appreciate you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you made it all the way to the end, then I hope you got some really amazing nuggets from somebody that we have worked alongside so long to help build the culture and the business that Boss Project is today. Um, And now this isn't really a commercial for paradigm in any way, but I always think it's really fun to highlight our clients as kind of a what things could look like for you in a couple of years. But even more than that, I think the big things to take from this was Abigail's advice there at the end all about how if you're having an issue with someone on your team, it it can be really hard to do this. But Abigail learned that she often had to look in the mirror and see you know, exactly what it was that she could pull from her own actions and experience that had cultivated this type of issue that you're having with your team member um and I love that we got to end on a fun note with would you rather and it was I I'm thinking about continuing that on in the future so let me know um if that was fun to listen to I mean I could play would you rather all day like literally if you want to be on this podcast and play would you rather like let's do it um but I think it's more fun when it's recorded I don't know why uh, <laughs> like maybe because now Abby has to be accountable to her love for Taylor Swift <laughs> Um, but realistically, I'm just so thankful that you listened to this episode and I hope that we're going to work on continuing to build out resources to help you get support as a leader and a manager, um, in a really intentional way that changes the way that we've been taught that management and leadership should be, and hopefully hack away at the work cultures that we've been unfortunately exposed to, which I'll be talked about in the episode. So go ahead and pop on over and take our quiz find out what type of leadership archetype you are and stay tuned because once you get those results we're going to be sending out some amazing invitations to expound on that with free resources like workshops and trainings based on your archetype. So I can't wait to help you become a better leader and manager, sleep better at night, build better boundaries, and essentially just learn to embrace your role as somebody that is really making an impact for others because truthfully when we become a leader that is our main priority. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to leave a review and and we'll see you next Wednesday. If you're listening to this, you've stuck with me for this entire episode. And for that, I say thank you. I hope you found as much value in this week's topic as I do. If so, be sure to follow rate and review on the up and up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too. follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of on the up and up.